My name is Jamie Piles. I joined Samaritan in December of 1996. We were homeschooling our kids and we were already thinking outside the world's box, if you will. And I saw a little tiny classified ad about this new kind of idea I'd never heard of before. My first reaction was, that's the kind of thing that we would do, isn't it? And so I finally called the number, talked to them, and the more I asked them questions, the more I liked their answers. Repeat. Like that, uh... We don't need Knox. We got the music figured out. You found the music. I take that back, Knox. I take it back. No, no, Please. No. Don't say that. Please come. Don't say that. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Baltic. on the Fight Lab Feast Network. Pastor Toby, the water boy. Knox is in Arizona. And we got our boy uh, and one of the newer, newest podcasts. We're actually onboarding to the Fight Lab Feast Network. Joseph, back home. What's, jo- what's the podcast called? Ask Joseph. Oh, okay, hold on. Hold on. I got to okay. read this ad, and then, then okay. we're going to ask him. The okay. mission of Armored Republic is to honor Christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve God-given rights. In the Armored Republic, there's no king but Christ. They're free craftsmen. Body armor is a tool of liberty. They create tools of liberty. Free men must remain ever vigilant against tyranny. Wherever it appears, God has given us the tools of liberty, and you need to defend the rights he's bestowed to us. Armored Republic is honored to offer you those tools. Body armor. Visit them at AR, the number 500, AR500armor.com. Joseph Backholm's old friend. Uh, we've had on the show a number of times, senior fellow uh, for biblical worldview and strategic engagement at Family Research Council. He combines extensive legal, political, and policy experience with a love for the way biblical truth cultivates human flourishing. Joseph, thanks for coming back on Cross Politic and tell us about your new podcast. Hey, good to be with you guys again. Yeah, the uh, podcast we started earlier this year, but uh, excited to join the Fight Life Feast Network. It's called Outstanding. And we like to say we talk about the news of the day and the ideas that shape us from a biblical worldview. So um, similar to the work that you guys are doing, which is why I think we're going to yeah. make good partners. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're kind of D.C. centric and uh, we talk about a lot of that. But really, it's just how do we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? So Amen. we'll uh, be excited to have other people join the conversation. Outstanding. <laughs> Outstanding. That's right. It, it makes a very good, like, you know, we just, we say it's been outstanding, whether it has been or not, because right. it's been outstanding. There you go. All right. So I hate to do this to you, Joseph. I'm sorry. No, you don't. But you don't um, really. But he doesn't but, really. But I don't really. Um, the GOP debate, as I like to call him, the GUP, uh, that happened last night. And uh, we actually have a, a, a real summary clip of how the debate went. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely when you're never coming round, turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit tired of listening to the sound of my tears. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit nervous that the best of all the years have gone by. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit terrified and then I see the look in your eyes. Yeah. 
That, oh, man. That's a funny clip. I don't know if Vivek really sounded that good, but um, <laughs> the, the, the GOP so, debate. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, so Joseph, basically, we didn't miss much. No, no. No, but Joseph, uh, uh, what did you, what was your like initial take? Did you get to check out the debate? You know, I probably watched 60% of it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, yeah. it was in the evening and I was in, but hey, I, I, I watched a fair amount of it and, yeah. you know, it is a challenge and it's the strategy that Trump has by not showing up because yeah. it's like you're, it, it, he has done a good job of making it look like the JV debate because yeah. he of course is leading on all the polls. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that matter based on what we saw in the, in the election results last night? Who knows? Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I don't, I, I think there's some competent leaders in, on that stage, but it, it's hard to have a, a debate that's substantive and relevant when you're not even able to, you know, address the contrast that matters most is yeah. that uh, how, how do they compare uh, to the person who is leading the polls right. at this point. Right. And so here's here's why that that little clip was going around with everybody singing off to and everything is because uh, Vivek actually um, ha- had a couple zingers and this is actually his opening comment. So I think this this the, that clip is trying to kind of mimic or or, or connect with how Vivek yeah. performed at some level. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, and we've got Kristen Welker here, you think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Kristen, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. Sorry. <laughs> this is how we get our country back. We need accountability because this media rigged the 2016 election. They rigged the 2020 election with the Hunter Biden laptop story. Mr. Ramaswamy, and they're going to rig this election. Your time is up. Accountability. Let me turn That's to Governor, Governor Christie. Why you? <laughs> That's how he opened. Wow. He came out firing. He fired at Ron. He's not, he's not wrong about uh, Rana. Ah, Rona. Rona. That's a, what's her name? Rana. 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 Okay. It didn't sound right. It still doesn't sound right. But anyways. Um, she's been the chair of the Republican Party since 2017, and, and under her leadership, she's lost more elections than I think the past chairs or whatever, and she's still chair. Uh, but then also, I mean, like the the uh, Republicans, whatever they keep thinking, um, they have allowed the last two debates have been moderated, I think, or, or at least two debates so far have been moderated by Democratic liberal yeah. networks. Yeah. He's so, not wrong about that. Joseph, what's your take on uh, on this opening 
salvo. No, I, I, I think he has a lot of substance there that is worth listening to, is that the leadership of the GOP is still trying to remain mainstream when the base of the Republican Party, and frankly, a lot of people outside the base of the Republican Party, are ready to burn things down. Yeah. So why do you need to suggest credibility to NBC and these people who are war with you and frankly lying about you for four years. Why are you asking them to facilitate your, you know, your party selection nomination process? I think it, it makes sense, but the people at the top are still dying for the approval of the sophisticated class. And so they think this kind of allows them to stay mainstream and stay sophisticated and uh, and I think Vivek's critique there is really well taken that they would do so much better as a party if they broke away from that establishment. But the individuals at the top would not personally feel like they're doing better. They still want to be included. And so I think that's why that stuff happens. And here's the thing with with Vivek is I actually think he's uh, whatever you want to call him, a fake or um, uh, or maybe not fake is the best word, but I, I don't be- he's not believable. In the sense that, like, I think I'm Hunter. I'm, I'm on board with what he said here, 100. But, um, like, he was a Democrat. You know, he was uh, showing up to o- Obama um, pressers and, and stuff like this in the past. You, so you don't really think he's actually changed? I, I, well, I've at this point, I've not seen any logical explanation from him on the shift. In fact, I've never heard the shift be be um, answered. Joseph, do you know? Yeah, no, I I have heard Vivek talk about that. And I actually do think, um, for the most part, the things he says are sincere. You know, my take on Vivek, I'm I'm an old debater. And I recognize the Vivek persona very quickly from every debate tournament I was ever in in my life. And that doesn't mean he doesn't believe what he's saying, but he has a gear because he's also an old debater. And so... His his debate style is kind of performative just because it's been rehearsed so much. Yeah. And uh, and he's obviously a smart guy. He's obviously quick on his feet. Yeah. Um, I don't love all the personal jabs that he takes. Those are clearly in his mind strategic for the purpose of winning the debate. Yeah. He is he is thinking in those terms of right. of what's going to score me points with these certain demographics that I'm that I'm trying to please. And so, yeah, it's calculated. And in some ways, I guess that's you know, a bit performative, but I, I think he has some legitimate critiques about the way we operate. And I'm pretty sure that those are sincere in real ways. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think this is all a facade. Um, I, I know that he has in, in the past voted for Democrats rallied for Obama, but you know, something like the guy who took over for Rush Limbaugh, um, you know, Clay Travis, he voted for Obama twice as well. There's a lot of people yeah. as the as the Democrats have moved far, 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 far left. There's a lot of people who have felt abandoned by that. They're not like principled hard right wingers for right, sure. Right. Um, but they are sincerely like not part of the left anymore. What was Vivek's answer uh, to kind of going from Democrat to Republican? No, I, th- I think he uh, he's grown up. And I think he's had some, and, and he just doesn't share the values. Um, you know, he's not a Christian yeah, right. and he's, he's honest about that. Um, but honestly, I've, I've heard him and I've been in some meetings with him, his ability to like articulate the the vision and the purpose of the founding of America is quite refreshing. Honestly, wow. his, his understanding of, of founding principles, I found to be, um, um, way above average. And yeah. I think he communicates them in a way that is sincere. Now he's not a perfect candidate to be sure. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's still a young guy and that comes with its own kind of, um, 
challenges. Yeah. But I think he has things to offer. Uh, I just, I just wish he wouldn't. Uh, you know. Yeah. That's that's helpful. Your, take, your, your take's helpful on that. Uh, you know, the other thing I'd say that, and, and I'd love to hear your take on this too, is Vivek in his last biotech company. It seems like he pulled yeah. a lot of shenanigans with his mom and so forth to get rich. And that that'd be another thing I'd point to that like really bothered me. No, I, I think that's fair. I don't know the details of his background, but my understanding is that uh, he did some real, um, you know, he he leveraged the rules of yep. the finance game in a way that allowed and him to make a lot of money, PhD. not by necessarily yeah. serving people, but by just yeah. using the rules of the game. That's right. And I don't know the details, but that is my impression from people that I do trust yeah. on those things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. I mean, not like, you know, Biden has any problems there <laughs> you know? or or even Trump for that matter on, right. uh, on yeah. leveraging the rules for, of the game, you know, for sure. Right. I mean, Trump's leveraged eminent yeah. domain and yeah. he's right. readily admitted it. Yeah. Okay. And bankruptcy laws and all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's good. So, so let's get to Ohio then. And then uh, uh, we'll get back to the debate. So Ohio on Tuesday night um, voted uh, uh, to enshrine abortion into its state law. Yeah. So that's right. what happened. And it was a vote out to the people the populace they voted it and they and it passed uh you'll see um here that uh male 54 percent male voted for it this is i think this is an exit poll 61 percent female but look at the breakdown of white black and hispanic um that i i I tweeted this out and i was like i don't know who to blame more the women or the minorities or the white pastors in ohio um because white pastors in ohio overwhelmingly are um, the in the pulpit in Ohio are, are overwhelmingly discipling the people of Ohio generally. And uh, it's what, what it, about the black pastors and Hispanic pastors? Oh, hundred percent. They're there too. I'm just saying there's more white pastors than black pastors in Ohio. That's all I'm saying. Oh, uh, okay. All just, right. just a numbers game. Uh, and then this, uh, go ahead and roll the clip of people celebrating this in Ohio passing. Abortion is healthcare. <laughs> and abortion is the law of the land in Ohio. Tonight, Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights passed issue one and put Ohioans back in charge of their decisions about pregnancy and abortion. Together, we successfully enshrined the right to reproductive freedom into the Ohio Constitution. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Joseph, um, thoughts? Yeah, well, lots of thoughts. You know, this is a sadly a string of bad outcomes for those who care about life ever since roe versus wade was overturned which of course we are thankful for there have been seven statewide ballot measures you've had them in blue states michigan california vermont which went the pro-abortion side as one would expect but that's also been true in kansas uh, in kentucky now we see this in ohio places where you might expect uh, life to win. Um, and, and so we have to have this reckoning about what it is that's going on in America, because I think the facts are somewhat clear at this point that America likes abortion. And based on what we saw in Ohio last night, there were a lot of kind of Trump counties, Republican counties that voted for abortion significantly. Um, and mm. there were now there's there's polling from a lot last year that said that 39 percent of Republicans said they thought abortion should be legal in most or all circumstances. 
So that to me is, is really a big part of the question that we have to wrestle with here is, is we have a worldview that tells us that abortion is wrong. America does not share that worldview. And we have to get into understanding why that is. And for me, the take home lesson of all of this is, is that we've actually convinced America that abortion is wrong. And if you ask that question, is abortion moral? The majority of Americans say no. But while we were trying to convince the world that abortion is wrong, the abortion industry was trying to convince the world that abortion is essential, even if it is wrong. And the reason I think that is, is that they have described abortion as happiness insurance. The sexual revolution has convinced Americans that you can't be happy if you're not having sex. And of course, pregnancy is a byproduct of sex. So the American public has embraced this idea that the only way to be happy is to do whatever I want with my genitals. And abortion is essentially a break glass in case of emergency um, concept is we hope we don't need it. It's not great if we do, but it's sure important that I have it if it, yeah. if it is, because in, in the mind of the American conscience, it's more unthinkable to not have sex than it is to kill the children that revolt, result from the sex that you have. Wow. And so until we destroy the lie that sex equals happiness, I think we're going to continue to see an American public that sees abortion as a necessary evil. Evil though it may be, we will continue to vote, vote for it because it's the only way we can be happy. You know, the other thing I saw, you didn't show this exit poll, Gabe, but um, the age breakdown was pretty striking. Yeah, um, yep, the I saw that too. The only de age demographic that voted against it yep. was like 65 or older. Yeah. You know, so the boomers. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Um, you know, they're the only ones that are apparently on the right side of history. Yeah. And then from there on out, the breakdown as, as you got younger, it, just, the it was over 50 percent, over 50 percent yep. and, and got yep. larger the, as young, it got younger. the younger they got with like 30 to 24 year olds being the largest demographic. I think no 18 to was 24, 18 to 24? Was the, largest. Yeah, okay. the, the younger they got, the larger yep. it was. And <laughs> and the and, and, you know, I think that speaks heavily to a massive failure um, in, in discipleship and education, yeah. just yeah. to, just to see that discrepancy between our, our, our yeah. grandparents, you know, grandparents and their yeah. grandkids, um, and, and the success, if you want to, you know, put square, uh, scare quotes around it or square quotes, if you yeah. want, um, uh, both. Yeah. Gabe, you'd probably be up, <laughs> yeah. up for square, square. Yeah. Quotes. What are those? I uh, like it. Um, the, uh, <laughs> um, but the, uh, the, the success of um, government education yeah, right. that, that is inculcating a, this worldview, this yep. alien worldview that says, um, you know, we you only live once. Um, yeah. You know, you got to get pleasure now. Uh, we're all going to be dead in a few years. Yeah. Um, and so there and, and to, to Joseph, your, to your point, Joseph, I mean, if if that's if those are the highest values, right. then absolutely you might. You might, you know, uh, prefer not to have to kill the baby, but yeah. um, if that's what it takes to, to ensure free your happiness, happy. yeah. because that's, that's right. all you have, right. well, then of course you want that enshrined in uh, an Ohio law. And you, all, did you, and you, you caught that um, the the way it was. I, I had heard this last year sometime, but apparently, as it, when it was coming through the Ohio. Um, um, whatever legislature uh -huh. and it became clear that like this was going to go forth. Yeah. Um, uh, Republicans were able to insert unborn child into and, the language. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. what they actually passed was the right um, to terminate the an life unborn. of an unborn child. Yeah. That, that language is actually used in the, in the legislation. Yeah. Um, just um, pretty uh, astounding. Uh, Joseph, you know, my take is uh, I, I, especially with like a state like Ohio or even Kentucky where 
it seems to me that it, it really points to we have a real problem with Republican leadership um, in these states. I mean, you're already, in fact, uh, I'm going to just let this speak for itself. Roll the, roll the Nikki Haley clip talking about this at the debate last night. This is a personal issue for every woman and every man. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my husband, Michael, was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children. So I'm surrounded by blessings. Having said that, when you look post-Roe, a wrong was made right. They took it out of the hands of unelected justices and they put it in the hands of the people. And now we're seeing states vote. And what I'll tell you is, as much as I'm pro-life, I don't judge anyone for being pro-choice and I don't want them to judge me for being pro-life. So when we're looking at this, there are some states that are going more on the pro-life side. I welcome that. There's some states that are going more on the pro-choice side. I wish that wasn't the case, but the people decided. But when it comes to the federal law, which is what's being debated here, be honest. It's going to take 60 Senate votes, a majority of the House, and a president to sign it. So no, we haven't had 60 Senate votes in over 100 years. We might have 45 pro-life senators. So no Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban these state laws. So let's find consensus. And and then she goes on to argue, you know, that we should, um, uh, this is where the clip got cut short, that we should work to make states like in Ohio um, ban partial birth birth abortion. Right. So, like, I just feel like that whole, her whole, the the old guard Republicanism, uh, Republicans have not been strong on pro-life like they should have. And, um, and, and at the same time, McConnell, God used McConnell to get a Supreme court that overturned Roe v. Wade. Like, so I'm not taken away from what they've, uh, what they've, I think by the grace of God accomplished, but how they've discipled and taught and they've lost the discipleship battle. Kind of to your point, Joseph. Well, and I was going to ask Joseph. So do you, do you think, is it this kind of rhetoric and this kind of take, um, in the Republican party that is losing us? Um, battles like in Ohio over abortion? Well, that's a good question because, you know, in a Republican democratic system, the leadership is always a function of the people who they are leading because you choose your leaders. And so, you know, Nikki Haley is correct there when she says that the position that we would prefer of abortion is illegal is not politically acceptable right now, but it is, It is ethically and morally insane to say the thing that she just said, which is, I don't, you know, I may be pro-life, but I don't want somebody to judge me for being pro-life and I'm not going to judge you for being pro-abortion. It's like, you know, in retrospect, you go back and, well, what if, you know, the people of New York or California decided, you know, because we have too many people and social services are so expensive, we're going to have a purge every 12 months and we're going to you know, get rid of all the murder laws and then we'll just see what happens for 24 hours and see who ends up dead. Um, that's just, you know, that's what the people decided they wanted to do. And so I may not like it, but what you going to do, right? right? I mean, the whole point is democracy is not the greatest good. And that's what we have to remember. The reason we that's like right. democracy in general is because we don't think one person should rule over another. But the reason we have a bill of rights and the reason why democracy is not the greatest good is that human flourishing is the greatest good and human dignity and human rights are the greatest good. And so to the extent that democracy is a tool that accomplishes that, then it's great. But you can't just like defer to democracy of whatever democracy says is good inherently because it's democracy. Um, the, the 
abortion issue uh, illustrates the moral insanity of that position, uh, perhaps better than any other. So the correct position, of course, is yes, that's what decide that's what was decided, but it's wrong, and we have to fix it. Not just say, well, because it was democratically done, then uh, that makes it morally good. Uh, that you, the the candidates are having to decide right now, but between taking a position that is politically difficult, and the correct position is politically difficult, given the nature of where the public is right now. But the alternative is taking a position, uh, like you saw Nikki Haley articulate, Chris Christie basically said the same thing, which is morally incoherent. And it, it, yeah, and that's that's the thing is I, I, there's a lot of pressure coming down. On, I mean, even even Trump has used you know his yeah. some of his recent right. interviews mm-hmm. to to say you know we need to um, you know find some middle ground, some kind of compromise. And uh, and I, you know I think um, um, who's who's the senator from Ohio um, the JD JD Vance. Vance. I mean yeah. he, he was you know sort in a sort of very mild way I saw him on Twitter even saying something kind of similar um, you know maybe maybe we need to um, ease up just a little bit while he's sort of carved out room for himself to still protect the moral issue um, seems like that's that's where a lot of the pressure is um, rather than actually doubling down on just. The, the moral issue mm-hmm. i'm trying to find a, a, a tweet i can't i can't find it but well while you're looking for it let me read okay. this ad okay our fight yeah. left feast magazine is a quarterly issue that packs a punch like a 21 year balvini no ice we don't water down our scotch why would we water down our theology order a yearly subscription for yourself and then send a couple yearly subscriptions to your friends who have been drinking lukewarm evangelical kool-aid every quarter we promise quality food for the soul wine for the heart and some Red Bull for turning over tables. Our magazine will includes cultural commentary, a psalm of the quarter, recipes for feasting, laughter. It's just sprinkled, just sprinkled mm-hmm. all throughout the glassy pages. And more. Sign up today at fightlaughfeast.com. One day, I'm going to get the latest issue. I don't know when. I have it downstairs. You can get it when you leave. I just believe you in my leave. heart that I'm going to get the latest issue that came out a month ago. It's waiting for you. Yeah, I'm going to get it. Um, I can't find a tweet, um, but it's from Eric Erickson. Um, about uh, oh, first send a, a magazine copy to Nikki Haley. Yeah, okay, a little soft. That's a little soft. Okay. You know? yes. Um, uh, but uh, this kind of gets in also to the the Kentucky AG governor race. So the previous AG uh, Cameron, I forget his last name. Um, he was a Republican, solid dude. Cameron is his last name. Cameron's uh, Daniel last Cameron. Name. Daniel, Daniel Cameron. Cameron. There we go. Yeah, Daniel Cameron, solid dude. I liked him. Um, seemed very reasonable. Seemed like a good, you know, Christian man. Uh, he lost to the Democratic governor, the incumbent uh, Democratic governor, who also oversaw all the COVID atrocities in but, Kentucky. So you got this. They voted him back in. They voted him back in. It, please, you know, please um, beat us some more. But then Eric, Eric but, but Cameron was, uh, I think, endorsed by Trump. And, uh, you know, so whatever you want to call it, MAGA candidate, whatever. Uh, but Eric Erickson tweeted out, that, you know, hey, Daniel lost. Um, he lost to the Kentucky governor. You know, this is Trump's fault. This is, uh, you know, this is the, the the failure of MAGA, whatever. And and it kind of got me, it, my f- first thought when I saw that was like, well, what did you do to help this guy get elected? Maybe Eric Erickson did help. I don't know. But, but a lot of the old guard can, uh, Republicans don't like a lot of the new guard candidates running. Um, you know, uh, and there's, there's all sorts of characters in this, you know, there's the Marjorie Taylor greens all the way to, um, Lauren Boebert. And, you know, so there's, there's some goofy figures, I think in this and, and kind of in the new guard too, but basically like Eric, um, was kind of chiding instead of like, you know, Cameron 
who helped him win? Who helped him? I mean, what money went towards him? Was a, the chair of the Republican Party involved in the Kentucky race? I mean, like, um, what is, is so I, I kind of see this as like there's this divide between the old guard and new guard. And there's this, uh, and the old guard doesn't want to disciple the new guard, and the new guard doesn't trust the old guard because they spent the last thirty years, you know, restructuring Ukraine so they could get, you know, send, you know, uh, handouts through Ukraine back to themselves. Yeah. Um, it, you I, know, so I think there's a massive leadership problem in the Republican Party, and then that's why you get yeah. things like Ohio. You know, I, I think that's that's a fair observation, and and I think that we are, you know, the the, the speaker races that we've had two of in the last. Year, year, yeah. Essentially, um, I think the reality is the Republican Party is at least three parties, and in the speaker races are essentially what happens in the Knesset or in in, in Parliament in in, uh, in England when they're trying to form a government by because they have multiple parties and you have to get yeah. all these parties together, and and that's essentially what's happening because you have the establishment GOP, you have MAGA GOP, then you have like social conservative GOP. Um, those are in, in kind of, that's the, the freedom caucus yeah. folks. Yeah. And there's some overlap of all yeah. of those things. And so in the, there is GOP is too big, uh, to like refer to by one, one label. There are so many differences within that group, even though there are some things that uh, they generally have in common, but you know, the, the Mitt Romney's and the, uh, you know, Mike Johnson's and then the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, they have frankly not that much in common when you look at them is, you know, and so putting them all under one label is, is difficult. So, I mean, is it Trump's fault that Daniel Cameron lost in Kentucky? I don't know if I can say that. I'm, I'm pretty confident that he has sunk other candidates in places like Arizona and Georgia. The thing is he's actually done pretty well in Kentucky. Um, and I, I think that race is in it. Uh, is unusual just because of who Bashir's is and the name ID he has. And there are people who have voted for Bashir's because his dad was also governor and he, he runs as a, as a conservative mm -hmm. and you watch all of his ads, all of his messaging. He doesn't own anything that the Republican party does. He just runs on being family man, Andy Bashir's and uh, a, a guy that Kentuckians have kind of known about ever since right. he literally, he was in elementary school when his dad was governor or whatever that was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's just a name that that is a, a, a bit of an unusual situation. So I don't know if it's fair to blame Trump on that, yeah. but there is a long history now of the people that Trump endorses yep. and then pushes that that's driving True. voters away. Right. So I'm not as, as confident that's what explains Kentucky as I am, that that's what explains some results in other states. Uh, but, you know, it just begs the question of what are the things that unite the people who are all kind of flying the GOP banner? So, Joseph, uh, if you were king for a day, I mean, what a glorious day that would be. Five minutes. Uh, what, uh, I mean, what would, what, I mean, what do you, what would, what do you think, um, what are some, like, I don't know, your top three things to mount a successful offensive against the progressive agenda? Um, and take back some of the house. What, 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 what are the, what are the three central things um, you'd be pushing for? School choice, school choice, and school choice. Oh, not oh. not the no. socialist version, though. Every school choice bill I've seen is that like a socialistic element to it. Well, and I think we've we've argued about this before, and I don't necessarily disagree with your model. I'm yeah. for all of them. Yeah. I basically treat getting kids out of government schools like I treat getting bodies out of concentration camps. Um, however you do it, you do it. 
And, and I think there are better ways yeah. uh, and worse ways to do yeah. it long term. But I think all of it is good. That is an issue that transcends essentially every um, kind of conventional political boundary. Yeah. You get parents, you get Demo- you, there's, you know, of course, the the ethnic um, coalition that can be built around that. The reality is the American public and it is they want conservative policies and abortion. I think that's what the polling oh. indicates. That's where we're at. And the problem is wow. we cannot give on abortion because, you know, that that's a line in the sand. And so that's something where we just have to let God work on that. But I think that's what the polling indicates from parents' rights to school choice, to the size of government, to drag queens in schools, all of those things. The Republicans actually have a lot of uh, support from the public. But the reason the Democrats are running on abortion is because it's all they have. Interesting. The public doesn't agree with them on anything else. So they're going to write my body, my choice, my body, my choice to the grave. And that's sadly where it actually goes. Wow. I just, I just want to make sure. I don't like that answer. Well, here's the, 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 on the, on the positive side. I'm just saying, I don't like that answer in the sense that this is apparently where our society's at. Yeah. Well, we we want a mix of conservative policies and abortion. Oh yeah. That part of it. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's terrible. I agree. That's horrible. Yeah. We're, we're, we're insane. We're a mess. But I do think the, I mean, the point is well said. I mean, where, where does God say to put your energy discipling your children? Yeah. Right. I mean, where, I mean, what, what are the weapons he's put in our hands? What are the arrows in the hand of a mighty man? Yeah. Your children. Yeah. And if you receive your children and you train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you're training up the next generation. And we've been giving our right. children to Molech. Right. And, and, and you know, in, in, in abortion, but then we've been sending them to Molech schools. And no wonder they come out. And even if they have sort of a, a little bit of that conservative value left, they yeah. they believe in Molech. Yeah, right. Um, you you can't you can't get away from that. I just Joseph, yeah, I, I don't. We probably don't have to, we don't have time to talk about the whole whole school choice thing uh, today. But I just I just want to say, like, it seems though that like if we're gonna do any anything, we 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 cannot do like the Arizona bill was terrible. Um, because the Arizona ESA uh, school choice bill gave more money to the government schools for every time a student's got out of out of them. Yeah. And I just think yeah. like I, I can't like it's one thing to get them out of the gulag, get them out of the concentration camp. But I just I'm just not sure like we should be doing it in a way that supports their continued existence. Well, they're going to exist. I mean, we're not going to do something in the next two years or 10 years that's going to make government schools no longer exist. The thing is, right now, there is a massive incentive for people to leave those schools. There are tens of millions of families today that want to leave if they have the opportunity. We want to give them the opportunity. Um, in, In government schools, are again, they are the heart of darkness. They are the reason why Gen Z thinks the way they do about abortion and drag queens and gender and everything else. So, you know, Toby, the point you just made is exactly right. If just the church, if we just disciple our own kids inside the church for the next 30 years, everything culturally is going to change. We should be winning this war demographically. Red counties have 25% more children than blue counties. Oh my goodness. 25% more children. So it should take one generation, maybe two, before we control absolutely everything. But to your point, the reason that's not happening is because the red counties are sending their kids to to schools run by 
blue worldviews. And so our kids are being converted and thinking just like them. So we're not going to persuade everybody to agree with us in the next couple of years. But if we disciple our own kids well, and the opportunities are being provided now where the financial obstacles are no longer as serious, and we can continue to push that, um, are, are there risks in, you know, five, 10, 30 years down the roads from some of these models? Yeah, but it's kind of it's such an emergency that I'll worry about that later because the house is on fire. There are bodies inside the house. We need to get them out. And if you get them into a raft or, you know, you, you get them out into a raft that has, you know, a, a, a leak in it, you can deal with the leak yeah. later and maybe get them into another boat. Let's just solve that. But right now, everything is on fire. Everybody is at risk. Uh, and we just need to get people out by whatever means necessary. Use the best means you can, but don't say no to any means that will get souls out of the government school system because the government school is as good at destroying people's souls as the as the Nazi death camps were good at destroying people's bodies. Oh, man. Oh. Serious. I know, so I, get them out. That's that's a that's a hard t- harsh take there, Joseph, and uh, with the public schools, and I, I agree with you. But there's lots of data um, to support that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, so I know you got to go here, but last question, kind of just around this point, um, is okay. Let's say we do whatever it takes to get it out, but it seems like what's happened in Canada is that they have school choice, and then now that money has gone to corrupt the Christian schools in Canada. And so yeah. now the problem's worse than the the, the cure because well, now now everybody has to deal with this. There's no yeah. school, you know. Well, here's the deal. The response to that, the Supreme Court has already spoken to that issue relatively recently when the when the state of Maine said, oh, uh, we have to allow religious institutions to take advantage of our school choice programs. But you can't teach religious things because these are government dollars. And the Supreme Court already said you can't do that. So the Supreme Court, the current Supreme Court has already cut that string of control that the government would try to use if you use Hmm. school choice funds. They've said you can't do that now. Might some future Supreme Court nominated by, you know, Kamala Harris or whoever Uh um, change that interpretation? It's possible, you know, and and, and there's always risks. Life is not without risks. But sometimes you can't be you can't let the good be the the best be the enemy of the good. Uh, you can't be afraid of what might happen 30 years from now uh, if if you've got a chance to do something good right now. And, and I just don't think it's acceptable for the church to say, well, we're just going to leave those people where they are because we're concerned that the solution to getting them out might create a different problem down the road. Um, I, I just find that unacceptable at this point. We just we're in an emergency. Let's do what we got to do and then uh, solve the next problem when it's presented. He makes he makes a strong case. I'm, yeah. I'm not quite there yet, but I but I I'd love to him and Robert Borton to go back and forth. But I but I understand it. Yeah, it's serious. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Joseph, serious. really appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on Cross Politics again. Yeah, it's my pleasure, guys. Always good to be with you. How can people follow you if they want to keep up with you? Yeah, on uh, Twitter or X or whatever Elon's calling it now at Joseph Backholm. That's my name. I, I write at uh, uh, for the Center for Biblical Worldview at. Uh, the Family Research Council. That's worldview or frc.org slash worldview and also at uh, World Opinions. All right. Awesome. It catches podcast outstanding on the Fight Laugh Feast and Network. Outstanding. That's Out- right. Every standing. every time I touch a new outro music, Toby starts talking again. And I just, outstanding. It just, just ruins it. And one more thing. Okay, go. Wherever you get if your If you're podcast. single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week, love God with all your heart. Until tomorrow. That's right. Until tomorrow, we got Andrew Isker coming on. Go love Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love 
love your neighbors yourself. We'll fight, laugh, and feast. This is Cross Politic. At the center of the augmented reality industry lies one company. It's Gravity Jack. And they've been the secret pioneer in the augmented reality and virtual reality space since the early 2000s. Gravity Jack has worked with a plethora of Fortune 500 companies to create the augmented reality experiences you've seen and used today. And after a long wait, they've finally begun their first ever public stock offering. Gravity Jack invites you to join them. They'll continue to be at the center. Find them on startengine.com.